Welcome to Faith Bible College International's podcast, where we share spirit-filled preaching, teaching, and encouragement. For everyone living to make a world of difference in their life and the lives around them with the good news of Jesus Christ. Well, it's Senior Chapel today. We've got, uh, we've got three of the senior ladies that have got their clips full of bullets and they're ready to empty their clips today and be a blessing to us. We have Sasha, Naomi, and Elizabeth. We'll have another Senior Chapel Thursday. It'll be the three guys there at the bottom of the alphabet in uh, the senior class. But ladies, have you had a... I, yeah, thank you, Willie. Appreciate it. Ladies, have you chosen an order? Are we going to go alphabetical? Or are you just going to... You want to go first, Sasha? How many would be all right if Sasha went first and came up and preached? Come on, Sasha. Well, hello, everybody. <laughs> so my name is Sasha, for those online who don't know, really. Um, and today I'm going to be preaching out of Hebrews 2, 1 through 4. And I'm going to be reading from the ESV version, so maybe a little bit different. Again, that's Hebrews 2, 1 through 4. <clears throat> Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution. How shall we escape if we neglect such a salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord and was attested to us by those who heard. While God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. So today I want to talk about drifting. So the title of my sermon is The Drift Problem. So I have a little personal illustration to, tell, to show you this kind of problem. So how many people know what this is? Yes. So this is, for those who don't know, this is a controller for the Nintendo Switch. It's called a Joy-Con. And there's a problem that happens with it that hasn't really been fixed. And it's called drifting. And what happens is that the controller ends up not receiving, well, actually, it receives input that you don't put means you couldn't be touching it and it just the radical your character would go everywhere it does it just drifts on its own and the result of this could be from wear and tear or you don't clean it and this one is an older one of mine it hasn't been cleaned for months and so this uncleanliness that causes us to drift could be distractions, sin in our lives. And so it's just like us. We may tend to drift just like this controller. And I can tell you how many times my character has died doing that when I played a game with that controller. So it's just like that. 
so I want to go to my first point <laughs> and what is causing drift. So I kind of touched on that a little bit. So I do want to look at the back of the first verse where it talks about therefore we must pay closer attention to what we've heard lest we drift away from it. So the readers of Hebrews, they were being persecuted. And this was a warning for them because some of them wanted to actually drift away from the faith because it was getting, the going was getting tough, basically. <laughs> and so while we are persecuted like they are, we may have distractions. It could be social media, um, relationships, our relationships could take priority and distract us. It could be also just you're binging the next popular Netflix show. <laughs> show, and you don't want to, you'd rather do that than sit and read your Bible. <laughs> and also, I think you may have caught on to this, but the drift I'm talking about is spiritual drift. It's not like the drift I talked about, but it still happens. And it's still a danger to us. Because we could drift to the point of renouncing Christ as our Lord and Savior. And so, I also want to touch on that those of us who are in church, like we grew up there, we sometimes look at salvation and the message it brings with such a whatever attitude. <laughs> and so we don't treat it with the seriousness and we tend to drift off into doing our own thing. Like I'm all set. <laughs> I said the salvation prayer, I'm all set. <laughs> that doesn't work like that. <laughs> so, we want to drop it for everything new and everything fancy and shiny, like a new phone is, or just, we let distractions in. And there's a consequence for that. So, what are the consequences of drifting? God has a major consequence for this. And I want to take a look at the middle of the, ver of the text, text, which is, for since the message declared by the angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard. So, when he talks about the angels, he talks about the going back to the first chapter of Hebrews, they're talking about the Old Testament, where if you broke the law back then, you're basically stoned to death. <laughs> it was death, <laughs> or anything other, anything worse. <laughs> Considering some of the stories we've heard in class, <laughs> some people have been swallowed up in the ground for disobeying the law. <laughs> so, what does that happen with our salvation when we don't take it seriously? It's basically, it's death. We renounce God. We don't take, take the fact that we are saved. The greatest gift God can give us 
and we throw it all away and we lose our eternal life, it's death. We will never be in the presence of God if we reject him, if we let things distract us. And so it is one of God's severest punishments for us, especially when we reject his gift. it does happen to us some people there are people there are Christians that say I'm saved one and done done but it, it can happen that we lose our focus we lose our purpose purpose and we listen to other voices other than than God the Bible when we read our Bible that's what we should be listening to and we listen to the people who have been anointed by God to teach us so let's be focused and learn how to avoid spiritually drifting away from Jesus. So be focused and avoid drifting away spiritually. So I want to move on to verse 4. While God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. So... This verse is talking about the fact the readers of Hebrews, they're some of the first people in church, the early church. They've seen the signs and wonders and miracles firsthand in first person, and yet they want to reject Christ because they're because they're being persecuted. And while that seems like, oh, they're suffering, they're that seems like the fleshly way to go about it. It seems like that seems natural, but it isn't. In the way we, it isn't in the way we should go either when we're distracted and when we may be suffering. And something to point out is that some of these people may not even been actually saved. They may have been just faking salvation until it got too hard. And they started to show their true colors when they started to. <laughs> <laughs> and so and God did all these miracles because he wanted to verify that the salvation message to show that this is legitimate this is the truth truth and so it points all to the glory of Christ something we should be focusing on we sometimes focus on ourselves way too much. And so, and so how can that be accomplished for us that we can keep our focus, keep ourselves from drifting away? Part of it is dying to our flesh on a daily basis. It's saying, you wake up in the morning, oh, I don't want to read my Bible, but you, got, but you do it anyway. Because it's worth it to do that than to do whatever, go back to bed. <laughs> really. Like, you, you wake up and do something else in the morning when you know, it's like, this is your time to spend with God, the first hour in the morning. 
And then we need to be immersed in what the word of God says. Don't just read it and then put it aside and say, oh, I'm done. I'm done for the day. I did my devotions. I'm done. You need to actually be willing to take and learn what is being being shown to you on the pages. And we should be looking at it not with, oh, this is another thing I have to do today on top of homework and school and whatever else you have in your life. We should be looking at excitement. What can I learn about God today? How can this grow my relationship with him further? And we need to practice. We need to practice what we learn. It's not enough just to sit there and read. We actually have to show with our actions that we're committed, that we're focused on God. Because our actions can speak a lot louder than our words. It goes back to those who say they have salvation, but they're faking it. Their actions speak a lot louder. It's the take, so it doesn't sound easy. I know for myself, it's a lot of discipline to, to sit myself down and read the word, but it's worth it. Because it can sound easy. And for some people it is. Some people it takes a lot of listening to God, praying to God, and Just keeping the mentality that this is all worth it because God is worth it. So be focused on the truth of the gospel and what Jesus has done and what God has done. And I want to conclude with this, that drifting is dangerous for the believer and so we shouldn't take his message light, the message of the gospel lightly. And we shouldn't, and we shouldn't be nonchalant about it. We need to immerse ourselves in the word. We need to be on top of it daily, but also we need to take it seriously and don't let it be your death, especially for those of us going into ministry. This is super important for us, us doing, doing what God has called us to do. We can't be lazy about about scripture and about preaching the word and about learning about him. Thank you. everyone. Um, I just want to say a special thank you to Pastor Ward for this opportunity. Um, It's honestly an honor to be able to stand here in front of you guys and to be able to share God's word with you. Um, So if you have your Bibles with you, I'll be reading from John 15, 16, and also from 1 Peter 2, 9. And I'll be reading from the New International Version this morning. So John 15, 16. 
Since you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give it to you. 1 Peter 2.9 says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Turn to your neighbor and say, You are destined for greatness. So God has chosen each and every one of us and has a purpose for each of us to fulfill. We're all here at this Bible college studying because we believe that God has a call on our life. Before I get started, I want to really stress this one thing. The purpose for your life is not determined by our own outlook of ourselves. Our purpose is not determined by our age or our mistakes. It's not determined by what we think of ourselves or what our friends or family think that we might be able to accomplish in ministry. Our purpose is determined by God and by Him alone. When I think of great leaders in the Bible who God called for a specific purpose, I specifically think of Jonah, Gideon, and Moses. Each of these great leaders did something great for God, even though they tried to disqualify themselves because of their imperfections. The first person I think of is Jonah. God had called Jonah to go to Nineveh to preach the word because the people in Nineveh were doing things that were not pleasing to God. But instead of accepting the call, Jonah went the other way and boarded a ship for Tarshish. Despite Jonah's disobedience, God brought Jonah back onto the path that he was to take, and Jonah fulfilled his calling. When Jonah did what God wanted him to do, a revival broke out throughout the entire city of Nineveh. The second person I think of is Gideon. Gideon was a member of one of the weakest clans, and he was the least of his family. However, an angel stood in front of him, telling him that he would save Israel from the hand of the Midianites, who were oppressing God's people. At first, Gideon doubted his call, but despite his doubt, he delivered all of Israel from the Midianites. The last person I think of is Moses. God presented himself to Moses and told him that he wanted him to go to Pharaoh and deliver his people out of Egypt. Moses responded to his call by telling him that he was not eloquent enough. But despite Moses' feelings of being unqualified, Moses delivered all of God's people from Egypt. At the end of this week, we are all going out on impact for 10 days. As we get ready to go out on this time of impact, I have six things I just want to point out about living an extraordinary life of impact. These things should be kept in mind not only as we go out on impact, but also as we graduate from here and go into the ministry ourselves. So the first thing that I want to point out is that we need to magnify our vision. Let's be honest, there are times when we are praying for something big and we're believing for it and we are praying with the authority that God has given us because we believe with it, believe for it so much. But then we also have those times where we don't really expect God to do much. Um, there's one thing that Pastor Dreyer says a lot <laughs> during uh, corporate prayer, and he says this, you cannot get million-dollar answers when you pray 25-cent prayers. If you're praying for a miracle and you believe with it with all your heart that God can change the situation around, you're going to be praying with the authority and the power that God has given you through his son, Jesus. We need to realize that the God we serve is a big God. 
there is nothing too big for him to do. It's not any more difficult for him to heal somebody of cancer than it is for him to find you a good parking spot at the mall. (laughs) So we need to start realizing that God is much bigger than any problem that we can possibly face in this life. And when we realize that, we will be able to pray those million dollar prayers and expect that something good is going to happen. The second thing that I discover we need to do is that we need to discover our true identity. We are children of God, and as God's children, we have access to everything that Christ had, and we have the power and authority that he had as well. In the story of the prodigal son, many people focus on the younger son and pay no attention to the older one. However, this past summer, I was actually preaching for my dad, and I was actually preaching on the prodigal son. And there was something that I noticed about the older son that I never noticed before. And I think it's really important for this message today. When the younger son came back after squandering his father's money, the father threw a party for him, and the older son got upset. So I asked myself, why? And this is what I came to the conclusion. Uh, I concluded that the older son did not realize that he already had everything that he needed right where he was. So many times the reason why we don't ask for bigger things is because we don't realize that we have access to everything that we need in Christ. (laughs) In order for you to be able to ask God for bigger things, you need to come to an understanding that everything that belongs to God is yours because you are his child and he has given it to us freely. We also need to define our self-image. So I have a few questions for you. What do you see when you look in the mirror? Do you see someone who will never amount to anything? Do you see someone who always makes mistakes? Or do you see someone who is unqualified? Now let me ask you this. What do you think God sees when he looks at you? God sees you as a saint who is holy in his sight. He sees you as his child and his friend. He sees you as justified and as his own possession. God sees you as a member of his own body, completely forgiven, and a citizen of heaven. I want us to understand this one thing. God is the one who qualifies you for the ministry, not you. When God called you, he knew everything about you, the good and the bad. When God called Moses to deliver his people from Egypt, God knew that earlier on, many years ago, he had killed an Egyptian. But despite that action that had happened in his life, God was still able to use him to deliver his people. So if God has called you, he has qualified you. Next, we need to overcome our past. And... I had to laugh a little bit in class today because a lot of what I'm about to cover in here is a lot of what we covered in prison epistles today, so uh, I just thought that was kind of funny. But um, your past failures don't determine how far you can go in ministry. Every single one of us has made a mistake at one point or another, and possibly several, but that's a part of us being human. However, no matter what you might have done in your past, God has forgiven it all. God forgave us so that we could walk in the fullness of what he has for us. As we push aside and forget about our past, we can press forward to what God has in store for us. But if we hold on to our past, it will just hinder us from living out our calling to its fullest. But if we let go of the past and we push forward to what lies ahead, we will find ourselves doing more than we ever could have imagined possible. 
Do not let your past mistakes hold you back from fulfilling the call God has on your life. Another thing is that we need to establish a new status quo. A status quo is the way things have always been for you. It's the ordinary way of life. It's the same old job, the same bad decisions, the same environment, so on and so forth. We cannot have an extraordinary life of impact if we spend our life just going through the motions. We have to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit at all moments of our life so that we can walk in obedience to what God has and what he wants us to do. If we want to live an extraordinary life of impact, then we need to begin to expect God to use us in great and mighty ways. And lastly, we need to live a life of service. The mission statement of the school is to raise up Pentecostal servant leaders who make a world of difference in light of the Great Commission. Our lives and our ministries are not about us. It's about blessing other people. Our purpose in life, no matter what our ministry looks like, is to bring people to the knowledge of God, to worship Him, fellowship with other believers, and minister to others around the world. You will never live an extraordinary life of impact if you live the same way that the world does. If we are wasting our resources on worldly pleasures and indulging in sin, then our lives are not going to impact others for the kingdom of God. Our role in ministry is to be a mentor to someone, to motivate and encourage the people around you, and become a person of influence. The moral of the story is this. If you want to live an extraordinary life, you need to leave a legacy of impact. So as we go out on impact at the end of this week, let's ask God to do big things, expect the extraordinary to happen, and serve others. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, everyone. I just want to thank you for this opportunity to preach. Um, it's so exciting to be able to preach in chapel after four years of being in chapels. Um, so if you want to turn with me today to Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, I'll be reading from the ESV version. And it reads, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So this verse has been hitting me pretty hard the past couple weeks. Um, I don't know if anyone else has ever struggled with this, but I worry sometimes. <laughs> Through being in um, Bible college and everything, sometimes I think about, you know, what's going to happen after this? What am I going to do later? But this verse kind of hit me because it was just like, it almost made it seem way too easy. Like, if he begun it, he's going to finish it. So my title today is, If He Started It, He'll Finish It. So my personality type is a beaver, as we learned in um, <laughs> as we learned in leadership dynamics or basics last year. Um, so it means I like to know things from start to finish before I even begin them, but that really doesn't work with God at all. <laughs> so uh, His plans a total mystery before He reveals it. No matter who you are, like even the greatest pastors of the biggest churches, God's plan is a mystery to them until God decides to reveal it to them. So if this verse that says, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion, then what do we do? Like if God's going to start it and he's going to finish it, what in the world am I supposed to do? So I'm going to start with what's my job? 
what um, are we supposed to do when we run the race? And this kind of ties into what Sasha and Naomi were saying, um, just the basic stuff. <laughs> it's way too easy. Our prayer life is the first one. Um, the Bible says to pray without ceasing. That means we should be praying through our day, through with everything that we're doing, not just like go to God in the morning, be like, okay, so I have this list. You know, I hope you can get it done by the end of the week. Like, I hope, I hope it's not too much for you. I'll see you tomorrow. Like, <laughs> so we're supposed to walk with him every day. If we have something that's on our mind, just say, God, I just give it to you. I can't deal with it. I can't do it. So, and in that, we're supposed to listen to his voice back. So when we give it to him, we're supposed to listen to what he's trying to say to us instead of just thinking we're alone and just typing off some sort of laundry list for him to do. So the second thing that our job is, is to be, to study and um, live in obedience to the word. So Psalm 119.11 says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Um, a lot of times, sometimes we get the word heart and head mixed up in that. So a lot of times in Bible school and in chapels and in, in services and everything and in classes, we can say, okay, like I've stored up your word. Like, okay, I'm going to read the word. I'm going to do this. But then we just have this list of Bible verses in our head. But if we don't put it in our heart, it's really not going to change anything. So... Um, in classes, we've learned that the, the Greek word logos means to read, and the word rhema means revealed. So our job is to read it, but then we have to make sure that we trust God that he's going to reveal it to us. We can't reveal it to ourselves. And we're supposed to be, once we've gotten that rhema word, we have to be doers of the word. We can't just hear it, because what good is it if we just sit around and be like, yeah, I, I totally understand that. Yeah, like, and then we don't do anything with it. <laughs> we haven't really understood it, have we? So the, the next thing that is our job is our worship. So that can be like musical worship like we just did. That can be singing and praising. But our worship can also come through what we submit to God and what we give to him that we have. So our gifts, we can give him our gifts, like if you're creative, if you sing, if you play an instrument, whatever God's given you, when you give that back to him, that's a form of worship. Our stewardship, whatever he's put you over, our schoolwork is a stewardship. That's a way we can worship him by not being late on our assignments, which I'm not too good at. <laughs> So as we store it over those things, as we do everything we can do in our power, he's going to do the extra, do what we can't. So, and then another thing that we can worship with is our finances. In the parable of the talents, the one who did well with the little was given more. And if we don't do well with our little, why would God give us anything else? Because we couldn't handle it. So our little is these things, our prayer life, our study, and our obedience to the word, and our worship. Um, it hit me like last week, I think it was, or the week before. I was just praying about finances overall, just like trying to give it to God. And then he kind of hit me with, you've had like a check on your shelf for like three weeks from work study that you never deposited. And it was like 13 bucks. I was like, that's nothing. Like, I'll just do it later. And he hit me with like, why would I give you a hundred or 200 more if you haven't even deposited 13 bucks? And so once I did that, he opened up what I was praying for. And it was just like, it was just like a, a crazy thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
So once we give the little we have, like stuff that we think we overlook and think that's like nothing, like what is that? Once we give him that little stuff, he can do so much with it, but he's just waiting for us to do it. Sometimes it can be really boring. <laughs> like no matter what stage in life you are, no matter if the pastor of a mega church or the pastor of like the community Baptist, no matter what stage, it's going to look the same. They all have to wake up, read their Bible. They all have to wake up, pray. They all have to fast. They still get hungry when they fast. It's not different. So... When you do that, that it's just going to be the same. Even if your plant is non-existent that you're watering, even if it's flourishing and 10 feet tall, through your whole ministry, you're going to have to do these things, the simple, simple things. And God doesn't want to see like a rough draft of what I can come up with for my life. He's not like, oh, what do you think? Like, I think like you could, you could come up with a good plan, couldn't you? No, he's saying, why haven't you just like read your Bible this morning? <laughs> like, why haven't you just prayed about that thing? So now that I've gone over what my job is, what our job is, what's, God jo what's God's job? Literally everything else that we could ever think of. <laughs> Our needs, Philippians 4.19 says, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. He created us. He knows exactly what we need, when we need it. He knows how often we need to eat, when we need to sleep, when we need water, when we need finances. He's not oblivious to that stuff, and he knows that you need it. Um, he's never left his children begging for bread. And when we submit and when we give him the little we have, he'll give us, um, provide for us. Another thing that's God's job and not our job is our life and our future. So I'm sure we've all, every person in here and online has thought about their future at some point. Um, thought about what it's going to look like or tried to figure out what's going to happen. But really all God tells us is that he's come to give us life and life more abundantly. All that we can give him is our life and he'll bring it back abundant. I can't do that. Um, he'll just take it over and he can, he can fill that last part of it. So another thing that's God's job is to order our steps. If we start walking with these things, he's going to order where we're going with it. So if he started it, he's going to finish it. He even started the works that, we've, that I talked about before. In Ephesians 2.10, it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So even if we think, yeah, I did that. No, he like knew you were going to read your Bible before the universe was even created. So he planned that. Um, and God didn't, nothing surprises God. God didn't think, oh, they're going to Bible college now. Like, I told them to go there. I should probably look around for like new opportunities maybe to after school. Maybe I should see if anything's open. Like maybe I should start like trying to figure that out. He thought of that before you were even conceived in the universe. All he's waiting for us to do is take care of the little bit that he's given us. So if he starts something, he'll finish it. Not like us. We don't finish the things we start. I sometimes don't finish the homework I start. <laughs> sometimes it just doesn't work out. But when he makes a promise, he means it. 
The word completion in this verse actually means to finish or to make perfect. So even with my greatest rough draft of how God could work out any situation, I don't even understand how he does it, but he makes it so much better than we ever could. So if you're sitting here, he started a good work in you. If you're listening online, he started a good work in you. So as long as we are obedient, as long as we pray, we read the word, we submit with our gifts and our talents, and we give those to him, he'll finish it out. I'm just going to read it one more time. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. When we know what we are called to do, when we do what he's told us to do, he completes the rest every single time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you would like to know more about Faith Bible College International, please go to faithbci.org. And find out how you can enroll in our programs or partner with our mission. Again, thank you for listening to FBCI Podcast. Join us next time for more teaching and encouragement. Remember, you make a world of difference.